1: Hello welcome to Series 3, Episode 23 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We're talking Munich on the 60th anniversary of the crash, how well the club have done in treating the anniversary. We're also talking a 2-0 win against Huddersfield Town and looking back to what seems like an age ago now, a woeful 2-0 defeat to Tottenham Hotspur at Wembley. Um, Jack, let's start with Munich. We're recording on the anniversary itself and hopefully this episode will be out by the end of the evening. But we had our our little special on the on the anniversary yesterday with an interview with Roy Kavanagh, MB, on his book and how he was alive at the time and, and his experience during the time um, as a United fan, as a match-going United fan. But today, watching the the tributes pour in, I guess, um, and thousands of United fans in, in Munich have travelled to Munich's Manchester Platz. There was a ceremony there. And the, the whole day has been done very well by United, by Bayern Munich, by Red Star Belgrade, by United fans, by various figures at the club. And all in all, it's just been very, very perfectly appropriate.
0: Definitely, yeah. Everyone around the club seems to have, have handled the day really, really well. You know, Munich is often, the Munich silence is often in, uh, observed impeccably. And there's obviously always the the tributes. But this year, it seems like the, the club has gone that extra mile, you know, with and the supporters actually as well, you know, with the, what was it, over, over a thousand fans, I think, making the trip to, to Munich to lay the reef where the airport used to be. Uh, laying a reef in Red star Belgrade Stadium as well, and then the usual uh, the usual ceremony outside Old Trafford as well, it just seems like the the club on so many different levels has has really taken the opportunity to really pay a great tribute to to the people that were lost in Munich. Uh, obviously you put the episode up last night. Um, about Munich which was great and I think the club in general should take a lot of credit for what they've been doing um, this year For to try and remember those that we lost in Munich and the importance that it's had on our club even now I, I remember being at 10 years ago now actually at um, the Manchester Derby for the 50th anniversary of the Munich air disaster and you know the game didn't turn out how we wanted but I remember just feeling goosebumps during that minute silence of just seeing 70 odd thousand people all all stood there in complete science, to remember these heroes that, you know, unfortunately aren't here today but played such a huge part in the legacy that they left and the future of our club. So, today we will remember them, we won't forget them and I'm really, really proud to say that our club has done so well and to remember the people that were lost on that unfortunate day. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's it's never been a day for celebration. You wouldn't say the club is celebrating the anniversary but it's a day for remembering and I wanted to ask you, um, when... When when did you start finding start learning about about Munich as a United fan? Because I think it's it's strange because like it's so ingrained in you as a United fan, but it's it's hard to think back to when it the first time was. I I was thinking earlier today that it was probably when I went to a match for the first time um, near the East Stand at Old Trafford and walked through the Munich tunnel um, on one of the side stands, and then. I I think that's probably when I was about seven or eight, walking through there for the first time or doing the Old Trafford tour as a kid, and then my dad or my brother or other people telling you about music. Same for you?
0: No, I I think mine was, was from... I think the probably... I, I, don't, I can't remember a specific moment, but I, I obviously remember going to that game 10 years ago when I was, what, nine? No, eight. And by then I already had a pretty good grasp on what Munich was, even if I didn't, didn't understand quite the importance of it. Um, yeah. So it must've it must been before then, probably just seeing, seeing the minute side, cause that was the first game I'd been to on uh, Munich, like sort of on, on the anniversary. Yeah. And I think it must've been before that, seeing one of the minute silences on, on TV and, and sort of wondering why it happened. And probably my dad, who was the one who got me into supporting United in the first place, kind of explaining to me about, about Munich. But I think, until I went to the game and and saw the minute silence and saw what it meant to people there, I don't think I ever quite realised how important it was. And after that game, seeing not only the minute silence, how emotional people were, but also you know that was a special game in that it was a fiftieth anniversary and we wore the old fashioned kits, um, and that was that was a really special day. So I think it was after that that I sort of realised how important it was to United. And so I then went back and kind of looked at looked at Munich again and, and started to realise. Just how influential it is, but each year you seem to learn yeah. something new. Yeah, I think as as a United fan of stories about how important it is in Munich, and you know we'll get onto the Ashley Young tweets soon. But I think he kind of encapsulated it really well in what he said earlier.
1: Yeah, if you haven't seen those Ashley Young tweets, um, it just it sums up exactly what you want from a Man United player today. Um, he said he tweeted out in a, in a series of tweets. The Munich Air disaster is something I was always aware of growing up, but in truth I didn't understand its influence on United until I joined the club. The lows of February 1958 that ultimately led to the highs of Wembley 1968 are inspiring to every player that has the honour to pull on the United shirt. Today we remember and mourn, but we must also take inspiration from the response to the tragedy and people like Sir Bobby Charlton. It's a privilege for all of us to still have him around and active at Manchester United. You still sing about Sir Matt Busby and about playing football the Busby way, we have a duty to keep that spirit alive and keep making you proud to support this team. Keep the red flag flying high and join me, my teammates, the staff at the club and millions of fans around the world in remembering the Busby Babes, the Flowers of Manchester. It just, I i noticed that this afternoon and just thought, actually, like, that is nail head meeting. Um, and so much has been right today. And yeah, as you say, you learn, I think you learn more and more about Munich each year, the United fan in more and more it dawns on you that everything about this club, um, there were many highs before, there were Division 1 titles before, there were FA Cups before and there's been a ridiculous amount after as England's most successful football club but everything is is defined by this event even 60 years on and as I say, thousands of United fans in Munich um, and a, a, an amazing effort given there's no games and, and times like these as you say make you proud to be a United fan and And remind you why United is such a a special and unique club. Just astonishing, the the support out there. And then, ceremony at Old Trafford attended by the whole first team. Mourinho and his coaching staff. Readings from Sir Alex Ferguson. The Flowers of Manchester being performed and Abide With Me. Just fantastically appropriate for the occasion. United's under-19s in Belgrade, by coincidence, but have gone out early. And visited the hotel where United stayed before playing Red Star in their final game. And United have have handled it brilliantly with the packages on people's seats against Huddersfield, the minute silence. And I saw Barney from Red News tweet that he knows some of David Pegg's family who are still match-going United fans. And um, United sent a reef to his grave and lots of United fans placed tributes at his grave today. So just all in all done fantastically. In a commercial football world, it's it's a, a day of just where you think...
0: Yes. Absolutely, it almost restores your faith in in what football clubs were originally all about. You know, they were ultimately a, a, a thing of the community, and it wasn't it wasn't this global phenomenon that saw people from all corners of the globe coming. And as great as that is, sometimes you do feel that football clubs have sort of lost touch with the people around them and the people that they originally were kind of representing, I guess, in a, in a weird kind of way. And I am really pleased to see that United seem to have recaptured that a little bit this year. You know, as, as I said, we the, the, there's never a, a a bad tribute to the Munich air disaster or anything like that from the club. But I think they this year they really have gone the extra mile and pulled out as many stops as they can to really honour those that we lost in in all ways. You know, just the small gestures of sending a wreath wreath to David Pegg's grave and the packet like you said, like you said the packages on the seats so the Huddersfield game and the under 19s going out early. Obviously, them being in Belgrade was. By chance, but they didn't have to send them out early, they didn't have to make them visit the hotel or go to the stadium and lay a wreath in the stadium. It was impeccably done by the club, I think. And this really should be the model now going forward um, with Jose Mourinho and his coaching staff going out there too, which I think is a great gesture because, you know, with a foreign coach who hasn't been in, in England too long, it can be hard to understand the significance of of Munich and, and what it did for this club but Mourinho has obviously taken an interest in that and is trying to trying to show his support for what has made the club what it is today so all in all I think the club have done a fantastic job um, we're quite critical a lot of the time all of us as fans of the way that the club is run but I think this is one day today where we have to take our hats off and say well done for everything that they've done to try and honor those that we lost in Munich, and not, not only that, but the importance that it's had on our on our club since that day, looking for all the way forward now sixty years on
1: and it, it is very hard for them because if you think about united support there's people like us who have have had the event of Munich ingrained in us as united fans since as, as you say since we we're seven or eight, but then you 've got fans around the world who there there will be United fans in places in further west than the than the UK and in the Far East and in Africa, anywhere across the globe, who won't know about Munich. And even some who do won't know the full background, won't know the importance. So the club have to get that balance between educating those fans, which they do to an extent on, on the website, on Twitter and stuff, and but also being mindful of, of how they have to treat the situation. And yeah, as you say, restore some faith. And just keep going back to the fans in Munich. Some of the pictures you'll find them on Twitter from Andy Mitten, who, who founded United We Stand, and a well-known United journalist. Now tweets some pictures. So did a, a couple of other regular United journalists. And just the pictures are just fantastic of United fans holding their scarves aloft in, in Munich, and about a thousand or more in Manchester, Platz in Munich. And uh, Bayern Munich sent representatives from the club. I think a, a couple of legendary players went there, and, and they always do. Munich tributes with perfection as well, given that, I mean, realistically, Bayern Munich weren't, weren't involved in the disaster themselves and, and they're fantastic in it. As for our episode the other day, if you have listened to it, I hope you enjoyed it with Roy Kavanaugh and me on his book, The Day Two Teams Died. I've read a bit more since I, I stuck that interview out on Monday. And he's also done a thing for Red News, who I mentioned a bit before, um called 1958, just that. And it's a personal account of. Of that fateful year for Manchester United, it says, and I've just been reading that on the train home, and it's it's just it's brilliant. Get it if you can. Go at Barney Red News on Twitter, and he'll have a link, or at Roy MBE, but the book as well. The day two Team died is brilliant, and if you haven't had a listen to that, it's on iTunes, Acast, elsewhere. Um, and speaking to Roy and hearing his experience as a, I think he was a ten and a half year old boy in February 1958. Just fascinating. Um, now back to present day football. And the Huddersfield town game where obviously people paid their tributes to, to the Munich Air and the victims of that. But going to the current squad, Alexis Sanchez. Um, having a player cutting inside and unleashing shots that genuinely challenge the goalkeeper, having a player who bounces back up in in that way, fouled seven times by Huddersfield players. He, I, I saw Wayne Rooney on Monday Night Football saying he's a perfect fit for United, he's a winner, he's got these attributes and that, that's what United have been missing. We have been missing a player like Alexis Sanchez. We've said it about a lot of signings recently under Mourinho, and that can only about Pogba, um, or in a way about about Lukaku and Ibrahimovic as well. And it can only be a positive thing.
0: I think he's done pretty well actually so far. There's obviously so much pressure on him coming to United with so much expectation. But I think I think both Wayne Rooney was. 100% correct in what he said on Monday Night Football um, actually just quick sign I thought Rooney was excellent for the whole time on Monday Night Football but Alexis I think has done well in his first couple of games, it's not been that easy for him you know, as a as a team we haven't performed amazingly uh, especially against Spurs as I'm sure we'll get on to but against Huddersfield I think he was very good He it, it, listen, with Alexis Sanchez it's never going to be perfect, not everything that he tries to do is going to um, gonna come off. We've we've talked about this a lot in the last couple of weeks um, since he signed and, and just before he signed. But what you get with Alexis is that moment of quality that you know is going to come. A couple of times when he cut inside, he'd unleashed great shots and Lursall made a couple of good saves actually from uh, especially one of his shots in the first half. But every single time he gets on the ball, you feel like something could happen. Uh, and it's not just going to be him looking to take on a defender, realising maybe that he won't do it this time and just passing the ball back inside to Matic and for us to rebuild again. And with all due respect to Martial and Rashford, you do get that with them With them, sometimes. They aren't at a level yet where you can call them genuine game changers in almost every single game. But that is what you get with Alexis. Um, ended up getting his first goal. Obviously, he came a bit, fortunately, with the rebound off the penalty. But it's good for him to kind of get that that off his, off his back. Um, and now he's opened his account for United. I think he's been a positive start. Obviously, it hasn't been electrifying um, like we saw maybe from like Lukaku when he first came here but it's been some, some strange games obviously the one against Yeovil um, and then just awful performance against Spurs which we'll get onto um, in a few minutes but I think he's been positive from Alexis he's been good and I think Rooney's right in that it is the kind of player we need at United and you know you, you mentioned that we said that about quite a few signings so far and I think that's true it shows not only how many kinds of players we needed but also that Mourinho's signings, I think, so far have been largely positive. He is he is addressing things that we haven't had in a number of years. I think we do need to be successful. That command and midfield presence in Pogba, the the genuinely, or at least the potential to be a genuinely world class forward in Lukaku is not yet that, not not there yet. But obviously, a long way to go in his career. Even even with Eric Bay as well, just giving us that presence at the back when he's fit. So I think he's done a very, very good job with signing so far Um, and hopefully Alexis can can build on this start now and really turn in a great second half to the season.
1: Yeah, first goal for United, not the prettiest, misses, well not misses, as a penalty saved but reacts quickly and and taps home the rebound so doesn't really care. Um, And yeah, signings all very positive. Obviously you've had Mkhitaryan has has now left the club. Um, Ibrahimovic's influence is is no longer huge but his 28 goals last season were were enormous and Victor Lindolf is turning into Looks like he could turn into a fantastic defender. So, yeah, signing's very good. Um, on one of his signings, Paul Popper dropped. Mourinho pretending it, it's not him being dropped, but uh, simply a change. But Scott McTominay comes in. And before talking about Pogba being dropped and, and moving on to the Spurs game, youth and young players are, are blossoming under Jose Mourinho. Um, who would have thought? Under 23 players at United, I'm fairly sure about this. this, is off the top of my head, have got more minutes than any other club. Um, has given under 23 players you've got Rashford Lingard Pogba in the side Angel Gomez is getting minutes in the same way that City's best young players are getting minutes but at United you've got McTominay as a regular I think he's start. he's played I think he's now played 11 games this season I think he's started 6 of them and hopefully we'll have Fossi Mensah Twanzeb and and Pereira too next season Um, but yeah just really positive in in terms of use this season for Mourinho
0: yeah it's not something we, we expected at all but I think he's He's definitely seen to grasp how important that is to United and he's building on it so, so well. I think McTominay has done very, very well whenever he's come in this season. He's he's the kind of talent I think that you see quite a lot of the big clubs and he's someone that I don't think any, any of us expect him to be a world-class player when he's uh, in his prime. But he's a very good squad player. Tactically, he's very aware and I think he's done a great job whenever he's been asked to come in. And credit to to Mourinho for, for sticking with him. You know, it would have been very easy to to start with Fellaini, or, well, obviously not after the debacle at Spurs, but uh, not just in this game, in previous games this season, to start with Fellaini or start with Herrera, uh, or even just keep Pog, uh, Pogba or Matic in there instead of him. But he's really kept f- faith with McTominay a lot, and I think he's rewarded Mourinho, McTominay has, with some, some good performances. He's been solid, nothing... Nothing to set the world on fire, but a number of solid performances. See Angel Gomez getting starts is brilliant because he looks like the best talent that we have at, in that age group at the moment. Obviously Rashford has, has Rashford still played in every single game this season. I think he has. Yeah, yeah, I think he has. Uh, the only player I think on our on our team to have played in every single game. Obviously they're not all starts, but a number of them have been starts, and it's good to see Mourinho persevering with young players when he he really doesn't have to with the the size and depth of our squad. So really, really pleased for that. And as you said. The players that he sent out on loan are seem seem to be doing pretty well. Pereira uh, Pereira's doing okay at Valencia. Fosu-Mensah is having a great season down at Crystal Palace. Uh, by all accounts, one well, and for, from watching Palace, seems to be one of their their bright spots from this season. Um, and Zebe as well now um, going out on loan to Aston Villa was it? I yeah, think yeah. He made he made his debut the other day
1: um, as,
0: as a second yeah, off, so. Um And I mean, it doesn't sound like an amazing loan, but one key thing about Aston Villa is that John Terry is there. Um, And not only does that smack of a, a sort of arrangement between Mourinho and Terry with them obviously having a good relationship from when Mourinho was at Chelsea, but for Twanzibir, that must be great to be able to learn off a defender like John Terry even if he's not in the prime of his career, the advice that he can get from a player like that will be invaluable when he hopefully returns and stays at United next yeah, season. Yeah, not just
1: that, you've got Steve Bruce as manager as well. So, two fantastic yeah. Premier League or ex-Premier League centre-backs there to, to help Twanzerbe's development in, in the next five to six months. Villa's assistant manager said the other day he's going to be where they need him because Twanzerbe can play right back, centre-back and in defensive midfield. So, we'll see about that. But yeah, credit to Marino and you look over at Guardiola, all hail King Pep is the general consensus in this country at the moment and he's naming six subs i mean that is a joke the quality in city's academy is astonishing and i will readily admit that it's on a level if not better than at united certainly under 23 football is better under 18s united are currently above city in the league but the, the consistency of quality in city's academy is unbelievable and to name six subs i mean Maybe it's sending a message to the board, but I mean, come on! He spent four hundred eighty million anyway, and then to, to, I don't know what the word is, but to, I mean, that's that's offensive to their academy. Imagine if you're an academy player or an academy coach. You think what's the point? He can only he can only get seventeen players, and he's still not including one of us. That was a joke, anyway. Rant over. On yeah. No, just top,
0: seeing the re- media reaction to that as well was. Uh... Extremely frustrating, watching um, Sunday Supplement and seeing so many um, newspaper journalists kind of saying that Guardiola did the right thing, and there's no point in just putting an under-23 player in there for the sake of it. Well, sorry, there is because just being in the first, within the first team squad and travelling to and from a game with them is a big deal as an under-23 player. That's a that's a real big learning curve just to be around those kind of players, to be able to learn from them and experience what it takes to be a first-team player. And he's just not given any under-23 player that opportunity. And then for all these journalists to sit there who, when Mourinho came to United, complained so much about his record with youth and how he was going to destroy the mantra of Manchester United, to sit there and then say that Pep Guardiola did the right thing by only naming six subs was a joke.
1: Yeah, farcical. Um, James Ducker, to be fair, wrote a piece condemning Pep and praising Mourinho so we'll give him a we'll give him some slack. Um but yeah it, it's it's absolutely true because the, the whole point Mourinho's done it a lot Matty willick um Matthew Sunday Scott McTominay before he made his debut Twan Zebra before he made his debut um Joe Riley who made his debut under Van Hall there's been a couple others who Mourinho has taken in the matchday squad and they've not even always got in the eighteen man matchday squad but they've travelled with the team and it's all about when they finally do make their debut, when they start a big game, when they get to a big game, it just relaxes you, having travelled with the squad before. And that's what it's all about. It's making the transition to first-team football as easy as possible and Guardiola's missed an opportunity to do it with a player. Farcical from him and farcical response from from most journalists. But back to Pogba being dropped, Pogba dealt it with very well. Mourinho said as such after the game, which is fantastic to know. You've got uh, a brilliant player who also doesn't have an ego the size of Old Trafford and Marino dealt with it well, keeping things relatively calm, I mean even pretending it wasn't proper being dropped but simply being sort of taken out the side I, I don't know what else he'd call that because <laughs> he clearly wasn't being rested but yeah, both both parties dealt with it well and it ended up because we won and he came on and performed well, ended up being a, a good decision
0: Yeah it did, I think it, it was important to to just send that kind of message it's not, not something I'm normally a huge fan of when managers do something like that but I think the performance at Tottenham warranted it honestly not and it wasn't just Pogba by any means yeah. it was our, our entire team played absolutely atrociously so i mean let's not just single out pogba on that but i guess pogba being the kind of consensus best outfield player on our team he he kind of by dropping pogba you send a message to everyone else that you aren't safe you know um and so i think it was important to send to send that message and to really give the give the players a, a kick up the arse in a, in a way to try and make sure that we we are staying focused and we don't just think the, se- the season's over because we're so far behind City and and second place is, is ours, which it definitely isn't with the with the kind of gaps we're now seeing behind us. So they're, they're, the teams are closing in in a lot of ways. Um, the gaps aren't as big as they once were. So we need to stay focused. We need to stay on it. And I hope that it does have some effect on the rest of the players seeing Pogba get dropped like that. Um, and as you said by all accounts Pogba dealt with it very well which is great to see
1: yeah it should have an effect that anyone can be dropped in the side and yeah it's it's a, a fair point that we, we cannot afford to be complacent and I mean Marino said in midweek I think that United were now aiming f- to finish above the rest of the pack which is a I mean perhaps he's just trying to take the pressure off but it's a, it's a strange thing to come out with but yeah we, we cannot be complacent the Spurs game utterly woeful everyone being poor meant everyone else was even worse I mean the the man in Matic wasn't covering his man for uh, I was in the away end and a lot of what I saw was Matic and Ashley Young. Um I think it must have been in the in the first half when Spurs scored their goals. Matic would not mark his man, Ashley Young would cover for him, and suddenly there'd be loads of space on the left because Alexis wasn't tracking back. It was just a whole a whole joke of errors after error. Um and the one thing I will say about the Spurs game is Phil Jones scored an own goal and it was generally pretty atrocious. But I mean even the own goal was I mean terrible. I don't I don't know what he's doing with that clearance. But the reason he's he's in there and the reason the ball's come past is because of other people. You can the people were blaming laying the blame on Phil Jones a bit too much. And really I think he was yeah. a better center back on <laughs> on Wednesday against Spurs. And half the time he was covering for yeah, half the time he's covering for Chris Smalling.
0: Obviously Jones got a lot of stick for the first goal too. And, and and don't get me wrong, he did make a mistake. He has a centre-half, you've got to win that header against Kane there. First five, six seconds of the match, you just have to win that. But the response then from everyone else is ultimately what leads to that goal. A striker winning a flick on should not mean that a goal then goes in. It was then the job of, of Young and of Matic to respond to that a lot better than they did. Jones' response still wasn't good enough, but the goal wasn't all down to Phil Jones. I saw a lot of people saying, well, you know, if Jones wins that header, the goal doesn't go in, but... A lot of things happened between that header being lost and the goal going in. And a lot of them could could have been avoided by Ashley Young and Matic and Jones himself. But it wasn't all on Phil Jones, either of those goals, as you said. Um, I think he was the better centre-back on the night, which is kind of worrying, considering Jones didn't play very well either. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a woeful performance from start to finish. And it wasn't it wasn't even just defensively. Going forward, we just had absolutely nothing. We created a couple of chances, but they came mainly from very short attacks, we just seemed to be unable to sustain any possession of the ball, any kind of attacking intent. It was almost every time we got the ball, it was one or two passes, trying to force it forward because we were obviously chasing the game. And then Spurs would hit hit us on the counter-attack and look like they were about to score. Um, Harry Kane, despite not scoring, had a brilliant game. Um, And we just seemed unable to... Unable to deal with him, Eriksson, Ali, Son, yeah. all game. I mean,
1: the odd thing was that even we we conceded the goal in eleven seconds. As soon as we conceded that, there was a terrible reaction. But at the same time, for a good four or five minutes, we had some quite decent attacks. And I remember turning around and say and saying, "Yeah, if we didn't concede that early goal, this would be a great start." Because we were dominating Spurs, and I think we had opportunities to make. We didn't have proper ch- clear cut chances, but we had opportunities to get the ball in. And get a shot away, probably three or four occasions in in the first ten minutes, and then we crumbled after the second goal. And that that kind of makes it even worse the fact that we crumbled because there clearly was weaknesses in Spurs' side, and they were good overall on the day, but they could have been exposed.
0: Yeah, in, in some ways that made it worse. Um, I think it was, I think Lingard probably had the best chance of them all when uh, there's a through ball play through, and I think it was Vertonghen just got a touch on it kind of took it away from Lingard a little bit and then Larice managed to come out and smother it yeah. before he could get a shot away but it was it the immediate response was very good and then after about 10 or 15 minutes it started to dwindle out again spurs began to become very dominant and we just seemed to sit back a lot i think the first goal they said that when, when the first goal went in, what you want to see there is a, as a leader on the pitch really taking charge and reorganising and regrouping and making score, making sure we effectively just start the game again at that point. Because that goal is so early on, you can't start chasing the game like we did from that very first minute. Yeah. You have 80 or pretty much 90 more minutes <laughs> yeah, to go 90. in that game where you have to just take a minute, realise the game situation and just get get yourself into the game because we haven't touched the ball. You know, it's, it's not like we'd, we'd had 15, 20 minutes of play where by that point we were already into the game. We hadn't even settled down. We hadn't touched the ball yet. So that's what the first thing that needed to come. And I just didn't see any of that leadership come from anyone on the pitch. Um, and when you look around our team, despite having some very good players, it probably is the one thing that we lack at the moment is a true leader. Um, I think a lot of our most successful teams have had that, that clear leadership figure within the team. And it just isn't there at the moment, I don't think. Pogba... Being our best player, maybe is the one that you think should be it. But he, I mean, it's never really been part of his game to be that that sort of vocal leader. Uh, Jones and Smalling, m- maybe it be, should be coming from them both. A being English speakers, so ma- making it a little bit easier to communicate with their with their players, and also being at the back and being able to see more of the game, and and actually being some of the more experienced players in our team now. Um, but it just doesn't seem to come from anyone, and that's a, that's a worry.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of been dumped on Pogba. That kind of responsibility when it's like it's not in his character to do that. So he should. I mean, I've been guilty of it sometimes, thinking Pogba should be leading United. But really, it does doesn't fit Pogba's character to be doing that. Right, we better move on. I mean, the less said about the Spurs game, the better, really. But I thought we had to discuss it. <laughs> discuss it in some way. In youth news, United's under-18s continued their brilliant form, which sees them four points clear at the top of the under-18 Premier League North, though having played one more game than Man City, Mason Greenwood and Nishan Burkhart both scored twice in a 6-3 win for United against Hull City. Jimmy Garner scored once, while the other one of the six was an own goal. Another great performance, and Mason Greenwood, one of the youngest players in the side, is in superb form. The under-16s beat Hull 6-1. The under-23s continue their rubbish form, um, drawing 1-1 with Derby. Devontae Redmond scored a penalty, but Derby equalised, and United couldn't get a a winner against 10 men after a sending off for Derby County. With the under-18s top of the league, the the under-23s are in the relegation zone. And lots of talk about United women's team recently. The under-16s girls side are into the semi-finals of the FA Youth Cup. United actually have some brilliant female talent at under-16 level, but there's nowhere to go after that and they often end up playing for the big clubs because there is no women's team. So that debate to be had at some point in the future. In low news, um, not going to give you all of it, but Axel Twanz ever making his debut for Aston Villa. I think he came on after 67 minutes. K-Mod as a right-back um, and will likely be playing there a lot, but in centre-back and in defensive midfield as well. And Dimitri Mitchell, Demi Mitchell, another man of the match for Hearts, who he joined in January. Doing very well I uh, made a brilliant start for Mitchell in, in Scotland. Newcastle United on Sunday. United looking to, to get two wins on the bounce, recover from Spurs in a proper way. And Newcastle are looking very poor recently. And, I mean, sort of have done since... Before we played them the first time and spanked them, so predictions for this very quickly. Yeah,
0: Newcastle have looked very poor recently. Uh, they just seem to have very little about them. Obviously, got a lot of criticism for the way they set up in the two games against Man City this season, being just just very uh, almost submissive, I, I guess, in in some of their games. If I had to make a prediction, I would say I'd say a rather comfortable three nil win. Yeah,
1: I'll take that. I'll go for three one just to be very slightly more pessimistic. But um, that's all we have time for Series 3, Episode 23 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Two episodes this week. Go listen to our special on the 60th anniversary of the Munich Air Disaster, if you haven't already, with a really interesting interview with Roy Kavanagh, MBE, on there, who was a kid at the time and has written multiple books about it. For more from us, follow Jack on Twitter at
0: at UTD Tate
1: T-A-I-T um, you can find me at at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at, at UTD weekly pod that's P-O-D at the end there have a great week remember the babes goodbye